Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. I have no idea what time it is. This is a podcast, so you're listening to it whenever you may be listening to it. We have an excellent one today because we're sitting down with Jonathan Sitnarski, who is the CEO of the Natural Gourmet Institute here in Midtown Manhattan on a closed-off 21st Street that, <laughs> that took us uh, an hour and a half to get here. <laughs> you missed it a few weeks ago. Oh, uh, was the whole street blocked off? Yes, there was a steam pipe explosion. Oh, oh my God. We're right around the corner from the massive explosion. We absolutely are. Oh my God. That's what all that is, right? Isn't it? Yes. Oh, I totally, I haven't, uh, I sort of, I knew that was happening. So I've been going around it. Google the steam pipe explosion. It was, it was spectacular, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't believe it. We're right, we're right next to it. Uh, Jonathan, thank you for so much for being on the program. Um, today we're going to discuss, you know, wellness and well-being through food, but also making it a culinary adventure, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, we've got your your slogan is kale, quinoa, and community, right? And the Natural Gourmet Institute is forty-one years old. That is correct. Tell us a little bit about this institute. We, um, wow, we were started by our founder. Her name was Anne Marie Colton, and she made an early connection of what was happening with the food system and what was happening with food and health. So in and this is 1977. 1977. And in those days, you could do something fun like opening up a cooking school in the kitchen of your Upper West Side apartment. And that's exactly what she did. And she went, uh, she started first looking at old modalities like macrobiotics and Ayurveda. And she built a culinary program which was really focusing on whole and natural and unprocessed and organic, although that word came later on. Right. Um, you know, but fresh and seasonal. And she really was was helping people understand about what we were eating in a modern food system was potentially damaging to health. What's what are macrobiotics? So macrobiotic is a diet. It's it's an Eastern in its uh, origin. So and it really is a diet that is focused on you know unprocessed, unrefined, uh, what people might call clean. We don't actually like that word here because you know food is clean. Um, uh, however, it is just an, an ancient modality which focuses on just how you eat brown rice, uh, basic uh, animal proteins, and lots of vegetables on your plate. Um, right, right. And, um, and so you, you teach your members how to work this philosophy into their daily lives through active instruction. But you can hear, I don't know if you can hear right now, but this is a bustling, active, working kitchen and event space and culinary school. So you might hear some clinking and some dropping in the background. Uh, tell us what you do here to get people into this lifestyle and how they could take it home with themselves. Oh, that's a wonderful question. So the school's broken into kind of two different tracks. One is professional chef's program. So you actually come here and you 
get graduated properly to become a working chef in any kitchen. And our graduates are typically uh, unconventional. They are um, plant advocates. They are food justice advocates. They are cookbook authors, bloggers, and they really are individuals who are challenging and kind of contributing to what's happening in the food system and in the better food movement. The other side of the school is what we call a vocational or for fun. Uh, And that is when people come in, they learn how to make a vegan cupcake or they have a gluten intolerance and they need to learn how to make conversion recipes to take maybe things that they love and make them uh, able, make them able to eat for them and their family. Um, So you can experience the output of NGI both by going to a restaurant where someone has graduated from here or coming here on your own and learning something for yourself. Absolutely. We're one of the very few culinary schools. So we were one of the first nationally accredited plant-based and health-focused culinary school in the United States. And around the world, there wasn't anything similar as well. So today we have 2,700 graduates from over 33 countries who are practicing uh, the lessons they learned here at Natural Gourmet Institute into the, the world, uh, the countries and the markets that they live in. The gospel's out there. The gospel's out there. <laughs> and here in New York, I mean, we have some alumni like Amanda Cohen, who you may know, she has a restaurant called Dirt Candy. And Amanda has... Yeah. 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 And Amanda is a graduate from 20-something years ago. And not only has she pushed the boundaries and elevated plant-based cuisine, but she is, she is unrelenting in the pursuit of making sure that there's equality in the kitchens and that there are... That there are are rights for all and that she was the first to institute one of the first to institute a no tipping uh, kind of fair uh-huh, wage uh-huh. and the like but on top of that all she made plant-based cooking delicious right um, and she's been wildly successful as a result of it what's well, interesting you should bring that up because you're you're it's it's not just food is it no. because it's the entire chain of food from harvesting to transportation to distribution to actually creating the meals itself you want uh, equitable treatment across the board absolutely yeah At i mean not times. i'm not saying anyone out there actually was going to be like i really don't like equitable treatment i mean they do they're called republicans but other people <laughs> but other people like uh, uh, but but to instill that in like when when you're teaching your chefs are you like here is how the food supply works and here's how th- how to ethically uh, ethically purchase and by the way here's how to ethically treat your kitchen staff and by the way here's how to ethically run a company we we actually do talk about all of that and one of the things that un- that underpin everything that we teach is about creating a sustainable kitchen right so eliminating food waste of minimizing that food waste of looking at kind of how you treat people and fair wages and the like so and when you're sourcing for us basic quality ingredients or where you source your ingredients is super critical to the end product right, right. so but on top of all of that because we can espouse the importance of a plant-based or plant heavy diet for optimal health and talk about what's important for for good eating is for an individual but if it's not delicious and if it doesn't bring you around a communal table everything that you're talking about is out the window is out the window yeah right. I, I completely understand now let's talk about making food taste good because I'm using heavy air quotes right now but healthy eating in 1976 it's like you know uh, you eat a nice steak and a green milkshake or whatever in 1984 it's like flax and muselicks right in 1992 etc 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 there doesn't seem to be a scientific consensus on what is healthy eating so how do you combat all of these varying trends throughout the years that that fats come and fats 
worlds go, how do you, how do you remain fad agnostic and in doing so still make some good, good tasting food? Yeah. So the first thing that we would say is don't follow fads. Okay. Right? So, so how do you not follow fads? It, I know. Though? And it's really hard, right? Because you, you want to be on that. Like to the outsider, what you're talking about right now sounds sort of fatty. It doesn't to me, but I can imagine a listener out there being like, eh, sounds sort of like a fad, but you've been at it for 40 years, so clearly it works, but how do you how do you remain fad agnostic? Yeah, well, we, I mean, and it's important to note that we actually make sure that we're always researching diets, right? So we look at keto, we look at, at paleo, we look at gluten-free, we're looking at all of the things that have crossed, you know, people's plates or yeah. put on people's plates. And at the end of the day, we find that our seven principles of looking at food food in the most simplistic way possible in and understanding you as a unique eater are the best ways to actually think about what's ultimately and and optimally good for you. So first of all, we think about food being whole. So if you remember the fads about coconut oil, right? And everyone Mm -hmm. started putting coconut oil in by the gallons into their smoothies and everything else. It doesn't sound like a very good thing to be doing. Yeah. And then some research came out saying that, well, maybe that's not so good to do. So is it or isn't it? Not sure. Coconut is outstanding Mm -hmm. to eat. It is, it is incredibly health supportive, but the benefits of coconut are typically in its whole form. So if you eat coconut, drink coconut water, but the coconut itself has all of the the benefits you're trying to get out of it. But then there's also the fibrous parts of the whole coconut that helps process out the stuff you don't want. Um, So if you remember to eat whole, right? So keep your food as whole as possible. Keep it seasonal, right? So there's a lot of work that's done and there's a lot of research done in certainly the microbiome or understanding seasonality and where you eat and where you're from and how that optimally impacts your health and well-being. But the simple way to look at it is that seasonal food, which is hard to find in a global economy now Mm -hmm. because you can get a strawberry anywhere at any time of the year. But if you can eat seasonally to where you live and where you're from, it is optimal for you. Um, If you take local, right? The longer a food is on, the farther some comes to you, the less nutritious it becomes. Mm-hmm. By eating as local as possible, it is um, beneficial for you overall. Uh, in in terms of like in some markets and some people, you don't have access to fresh vegetables, and so frozen is probably always preferable to cans. If you're in a supermarket and because you're not in a place where you can get fresh food, it's always important to remember to stay on the perimeter, right? So there's there's an old adage that if you can you go around the go around outside the of the grocery store and you can get the healthier thing because the gro- outside the grocery store is fruits and vegetables, juices, milks and cheeses, m- frozen food foods and then refrigerated meats, right? Correct. Yeah. Always better. Yeah. And then if you do have to go into the middle, if you will, or if you're on a limited budget or you're a family that is trying to kind of make ends meet and trying to figure out to this, there are so many different ways that you can approach eating, right? So it doesn't have to be heavily processed. So, so to answer your question about how do you know, right? So by keeping food whole and seasonal and fresh and as organic or kind of as free as pesticides as possible, Uh, is super helpful. The second thing to remember is that minimally processed, right? So the biggest, biggest problem that we find is highly refined ingredients, right? So is sugar the devil? No. I mean, you know, you can eat things in moderation. We talk about eating things in moderation. We teach our students how to prepare kind of healthy desserts or healthy isterts, but it's still dessert, you know? So, but you learn how to make alternatives and heavily refined like white flour and things, anything that's heavily processed and heavily refined actually has more probably potential damage to you if you eat in excess, which a lot of unfortunately Western diets do. 
Right. So the more that you can minimize your 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 intake of processed and refined ingredients in favor of whole and natural and fresh and seasonal, the better it could be. But once you get all of that down and then you have to figure out then well how am I cooking it right, right. So, right. so then you need to learn about you know there's a lot of discussion now about how do you help people make that transition from maybe a, a carnivore or omnivore to kind of a plant-based diet right and the the discussions always like well you know I need to make something that tastes like a burger um, and okay maybe maybe that'll help people transition <coughs> properly uh, especially as as you think about kind of larger macro concerns about you know carbon gas emissions and farming and and food deserts and all of that stuff that's happening environmentally. Which, if you're listening to this program right now, I, I highly recommend dovetailing this with the interview with uh, Christopher Schlotman, the uh, head of the Environmental Studies Department at NYU, because these two conversations are very related to one another. Um, and you, you, you're touching on all these, on all these points, and, but here's where NGI comes in. How, How do, do you cook? Right. How do you cook? So the first thing that we always talk about is that, well, you know, if you're having a plant-based diet, if you are opting, if you're deciding that I want to have a plant-based diet or I want to become a chef who is focused on a plastic diet or a health supportive diet, um, the first thing is the fact that, well, then make the ingredients on your plate the star. Don't try to turn them into something that they're not. So if you're talking about eggplant or if you're speaking about squash or mm-hmm. you're trying to make a wonderful summer salad or, or you want some ancient grains, right? Which are, are kind of people are talking about the rage now of ancient grains and what is an ancient grain and why don't I have an ancient grain? It's like in some cases, some of the, the ancient grains are better to eat because they're not processed and have not been genetically modified, right? And so that's, right. A, lot of, that's a lot of the benefit of that. But if you take those ingredients and really focus on making them taste as delicious as they possibly can in their natural form. Right. I love broccoli. Correct. Just as is. Just as is. Give me some broccoli. And you can do some wonderful things with broccoli. Yeah. So you can saute it in yeah. maybe a little little olive oil. Maybe huh. you want to use a little ghee or maybe you want to use some clarif- you know, clar- ghee is, ghee is clarified, clarified butter. butter. Yep. Uh, if you wanted to kind of then season it with some turmeric and, and black pepper and maybe you get a little digestion and inflammation support. Um, if you, There's so many ways to actually take a very simple ingredients and create these really wonderful, amazing meals without an awful lot of work. And most people are so intimidated to walk into their kitchen that a lot of what we do here at this school is to help take that intimidation out and it's like it's so much easier to make a hamburger because you just take the meat and you put it in a frying pan well it's just as easy to cut up a cauliflower and create a cauliflower steak right and also i you know i disagree it's not that easy to make a hamburger you know you want to add some onions and some pepper into the hamburger and you want to cook it just right you know so i mean yeah it's easy to take that frozen griddle and just throw it down there but uh yeah but cooking is intimidating because I just said like, oh no, I want my hamburger exactly how I don't even really eat hamburgers anymore. But if I do have one, I'm going to want it like the way my mom cooked with like diced onions in it and, you know, (laughs) black pepper on the outside. I really want a hamburger right now. (laughs) Well, you know, I love that because we also talk about here, one of the most important things that we discuss in addition to kind of thinking about sourcing food is community and tradition. Right. Um, So it's an important thing because one of the things that we always strive to do is bring people back to the table. Yeah. Um, And it's missing now and it's culturally missing. And so right now, if you do hear any buzz behind us, we are preparing for a little tradition at the school called Friday night dinner. Our professional chefs in training have to do their 
final. And it's a three-course vegan meal. And it's a BYOB event. And it's here in New York City, for those of you who are listening. But what it is is uh, an opportunity to turn training kitchens into a restaurant. And people come in and enjoy these three-course meals that are prepared by chefs in training and served by chefs in training. And they have this wonderful evening of learning and asking questions about the ingredients and how things were prepared and the like. But what we love about it is that we can promote and celebrate our students who are embarking on their journey and we get to take a bunch of New Yorkers and sit them in communal tables and have this wonderful sense of community. I mean, it's like a salon, but, but you know, you're bringing, bringing people to the table is what you just said and, and embracing tradition. But one thing I just thought, so many people's culinary traditions, uh, Italian food or, 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 you know, you know, Irish food, if we're going like in, in what, what, what's in around in New York and, uh, Chinese food and stuff like that, they're really unhealthy. So how do you, how do you, how do you keep this traditional fare? How do you keep centuries old traditional fare alive without like a hard break? Cause a lot of the cuisine that people mention as being like healthy and stuff sounds like a hard break from traditional cuisines. Is it? No, it doesn't have to be. Okay. And, and, and it all still comes back to, and, and I'll probably say this about a thousand more times before we finish together, is that you know if we stay away from overly processed and refined in favor of kind of natural fresh ingredients. Right. And when you do that, you can prepare. Like one of the things that I do in my own kitchen is that I like eggplant parmesan. Right? Oh, God. So good. Who doesn't? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. But instead of, of taking all eggs and egg yolks and then batter and batter fry and, and yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. An egg white wash. I use a nice organic panko crust. I bake the eggplants in the oven and then I use fresh tomato sauce that I, I put in place and maybe I find some really fresh good mozzarella cheese that's part skim and put it all together and it's a balanced delicious meal and you've cut out a tremendous amount of saturated fat that is not heart healthy and you're still having this wonderful sense of tradition and a beautiful meal per- perfect example perfect example because i'm thinking of how i would cook eggplant parmesan which is how my mom would cook it you know full egg slather it breadcrumb it fry it in oil and then bake it afterwards with the cheese on top and the marinara and the whole deal and i'm like yours sounds light and bubbly 
and effervescent, and my mom sounds rich and heavy. No offense, mom. I, I, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so I'm, 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 I'm getting converted here. Ne- okay, next time you make it, make it, make it how Jonathan said, please. Just, just do it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, so to to go back to your question, like, well, how do you cook it, right? So if you were if you were doing something, or when we teach our professional students, but certainly the people who come to visit us recreationally, is that you know when you go to the market, fill your basket with some wonderful things that are interesting to you. And, and if you are on a budget, you can still create an incredible three bean chili and you can get yeah. some canned beans, you know, but do yourself a favor and maybe rinse the beans, right? So take, if you just rinse the beans out of the can and then you start with because fresh they're water, being stored in oil, because they're being stored yep. in maybe some ingredients or maybe there's a lot of sodium yep. in there. So by rinsing the beans, all of a sudden you've healthened up quote unquote, right? Now I'm using air quotes, yep. um, <laughs> quote unquote, in order to kind of create something, you know, and then you've now have a budget meal that's really super healthy. So, um, you know, you get your ingredients and you go home and you can, you know, come take a class with me or anyone else for that matter. You can go online. Um, we're, we're advocates of just people trying, right? So right. the more, and, and living in a city that, that we're in, in New York, um, it's so easy to eat out and it's so easy to order in and it's so easy to find package solutions to your meal problems. And, and we often, but it's also so easy to buy whole ingredients. Correct. We're just a lazy breed of people here in New York. I mean, a lot of us are. I think we have I, a lot of options. I, right? We have too many options. And if, if one option is they'll make it for me, I'll usually do that sure, one. Sure, of course. Right. But, but, that's, but that's a good point. That's a good point. How can people in less resource-rich environments as New York, how can they go out and find, you know, the the wholesome ingredients? Like, you know, there's the, there's the, uh, the what's the term? Terminology, the socio-political terminology, a food desert. Yes. Yeah, yeah. For example, like parts of, you know, upper Manhattan and uh, neighborhoods of Brooklyn are essentially food deserts Correct. because they're populated solely by fast food, ready-to-go restaurants or, you know, bodegas who, while, you know, a deli sandwich is really good and you can get peppers and onion and lettuce, tomato on your deli sandwich, the ultimate base is this salted meat, right? Correct. Where, how can people outside of New York City or even in New York City where you don't have the resources, where can they go to find good ingredients and learn how to cook and learn how to prepare to pull themselves out of this health epidemic cycle? Yeah. I mean, and, and it really is about, um, you know, if you were in a food desert or maybe in part of the country that you don't have access like to. Like a Walmart Target Causeway sure. zone, you know? There, there's still one Wonderful uh, flash frozen options. So, okay. you know, so instead of getting a canned, you know, a can of peas. But maybe, frozen food sounds so 1950s housewife uh, to me, but it's, it's, it's good. It can be good. Okay. It can be very good. And, and then when you're looking at kind of where your food's coming from, I mean, if you just take, if you're just, you know, 10 more seconds more thoughtful about kind of, well, where did this come from? You know, what, what am I putting on the plate? Right. right. So you can still get, you know, conventional brown rice options, right? Yeah. And you can make that brown rice, but you know, maybe, maybe you're going to pair it with some broccoli and maybe instead of chicken, maybe making kind of barbecue chicken, maybe you're going to get cauliflower and you're going to put buffalo style sauce on your cauliflower i do love me some buffalo style cauliflower that's pretty good all of a sudden you got this taste on your plate that's different and maybe it's not all the time and maybe you don't have access to it but i do think that there's there's little tips and tricks um and it's just about being making a conscious choice so am I going to take that, you know, ready to boil bag of everything all together or am I going to try to 
figure out what's in the bag. Right. And get, and get them all separately and put them together. And so I have the opportunity now to go get the one frozen broccoli, the one frozen cauliflower and the one frozen snap peas rather than the birds. I mix and mix and match them bag. Exactly. So that's interesting. And you can season it any way you'd like. So, you know, sometimes the fun baking is a little more exacting, right? So baking is a little more exacting. Yes. Baking. You need to very, you need to pay close attention to what you're doing. Yeah. But if you're preparing a meal, have a little fun with it, you know, turn on the music and, and find some spices that work. And Americans and most people in general, they want to reach for salt and pepper. Right. You know, there's so many other delicious flavors that it doesn't need to be. Tell, tell me some. Tell so me some. Go find some garlic and some garlic powder. Go find some, you know, if you don't have fresh onion, go get some some dried minced onion, right? So you can find um, parsley and basil and oregano. And if you mix all these things together, yeah. you know, chili flakes, yeah. red peppers, you know, um, and you just try all in uh, All in McCormick. Uh, and McCormick sells them. Yeah. And you can find them anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so that might be an alternative. And so if you're lowering, you know, so there's a certain amount of sodium that we all need to heap in our diets, right? It's important for optimal health. What does sodium do? Well, I mean, in excess, it can help raise blood pressure and it can... It what, can no, what does it do? Biologically, it can, it, that's... It, nece- it, what's it retains necessity? water. It retains kind of... Uh, what does it do? Attach it to the cells? I don't know. Oh, that, I'm not a doctor. Oh, right? so, I'm not either. Yeah, I'm exactly. asking, I'm asking so, you. But, but we do, what we do know that it's important to have some sodium in your diet right. at, at all times. And, and that's why when you are, say, trekking and, you know, people, trekkers will have sodium pills with them. Right. So to help prevent dehydration. Riboflavin too. And, and riboflavin. I, don't, well. I just made that one up. I, don't, so. I have no idea what riboflavin does. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> All I know is really fun to say. Try it with me. Riboflavin. Riboflavin. Yeah. I don't even know what it does. I think that was part of fortified cereals. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But. I think it was. I think like we're, we're more or less of the similar age, right? It's yeah. Like yeah. Lucky Charms. Now with riboflavin. Exactly. So now back to what we were talking about is that instead of that box of Lucky Charms, find another alternative, right? So, and they're, they're out there. And so I think that, you know, in, in, and when you're in the kitchen and you're cooking is that if you do think about kind of, well, what am I putting into my body? Right. Right. How do I know what I'm eating, you know, and what I need to lose weight or I need to, to, I have this now heart health concern and I need to eat differently. And, and the first thing is, of course, is to always seek someone who can guide you. Right? right. So if it is a medical professional or a nutrition or someone, but if you can't, I mean, there's simple things you can do. You can listen to your body, right? We never take the time to stop and listen. And, and oftentimes cravings, they may mean something or not. Yeah. Um, and it's important to look and, and it's, and we beat ourselves up as a culture, right? So, oh, I ate that candy bar. Oh, I ate that, this, or this. Well, just don't do it again. You right? know, so enjoy your moment yeah right? enjoy, enjoy your experience i've i've lost a bunch of weight lately uh due to uh stress and insanity no 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 i've actually just i've actually been eating better and um i never ate really poorly but i've been eating better and now i've noticed the cravings are different you know now i i do not walk down the street and crave a hamburger. I rarely do, but I often crave spinach, lentils, and rice. I don't know why. And I'm like, you know what I want right now? I want spinach, lentils, and rice. And that's what I'm craving. I, is there any biology behind that? Like if you start eating in a certain way, does it modify your psychology or, or is that just experiential? I don't know. There's a lot of different papers. And again, this isn't, wouldn't be an area of my expertise, but there's a lot of papers that talk about you can rewire kind of your, your habits. Uh Uh-huh. 
And I think once you introduce healthy and natural foods back into your diet over a sustained period of time, your body thanks you for it. And it is then asking you for it, right? So, and some of the things that uh, I've learned personally, and cer- certainly some of my involvement in my work with food, is that as an in- as for me as an individual, I am eighty five percent plant based. Mm-hmm. So, you know, most of my the star of my plate is plants, yes, or, or you know grains, yeah. Um, and then I do have some animal protein and some fish, but I'm very mindful about where it comes from. Uh, I think about kind of is it natural or farm raised? Is it organic? Are there antibiotics you know what is it is it raised locally where does it come from and the best that i can to do it but i know for my optimal health it's important for me to have at least 20 percent of of my plate have some animal animal protein, protein. but and that was in consultation with an expert correct? yes and that yes. was in consultation with the expert and then really paying attention to how my body responded with what i actually was eating right so now i know time's at a premium for you right now but we've got uh We've just got a little bit more to go into if you've got the time. Um, how do we how do we learn from NGI? How do you come here? How do you enroll? If you're elsewhere in the country, what can you learn from NGI? And how can they be a resource to help you transition your diet maybe to something more healthy or maybe just to experiment and learn some new cuisines? We have a, a really great newsletter. Mm-hmm. That we have a very active amount of people who follow and it's called The Weekly Dish. And in there are tips and tricks and ideas for um, healthier cooking. Excellent. That anyone can read. On Instagram, which is, you know, a lot of people go to these days but we do some fun things like we do the tip of the week starting from a to z and we talk about a specific type of food like parsley or something else and what that all means oh that's great as an interesting way to kind of say like oh i need to know more about that we run a lot of recreational classes uh here in new york city uh we get people from all over the world for some of our intermediate classes something called food therapy and something called culinary nutrition which tends to have a lot of medical professionals in it really we have a lot of doctors who come through our chef's training program program because they are, as I put, quote unquote, tired of prescribing insulin. So as we have doctors who are coming into the program, we're finding it very powerful that they're bringing food back into healing food back into the, the regimen, not just doping you up with medicine, up with medicine and not just taking your blood, but saying, what else do we need to do full stop? Cause usually the doctor goes, you know, you need to exercise more and you need to stop eating hamburgers. But the doctor never goes, you need to exercise more in this way. And also you need to not stop eating hamburgers. You need to start eating in this direction. Correct. Right. Right. And I think, I think that all goes, it all ties back together. Right. So, so for us here at, at, at NGI or natural Gourmet Institute, or in the, in the seventies, I think people used to call it Natty G. Natty right? G. The Natty G. Natty G. So I think I had a couple cases in Natty G yeah. in college. <laughs> so, so here at with the, Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, oh. Uh, wait, we did it. No, we did it. Wait, no, no, come no. bring it back. 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 So Natty, here we are. Yeah, Natty G in the seventies. Yes, right. So, so in the early eighties. Um, but the so so as we think about kind of helping people understand about kind of how to eat for optimal health and what that looks like in the discussion about how do you know a fad or not a fad is that you know a lot of fads end up 
all all of them always end up yielding some new sense of a uh, fact based something scientific something that right. can be proved or disproved and when you go through all of that is you, is you and you can accumulate all of that knowledge and you try to bring it together in a way that makes sense but for most of us in our daily lives you know we just don't know it's like you know why do i why did i do paleo but then when i stopped it i gained back 20 pounds why did i do this and why did i do that and i think if we just first start with the premise of the fact that you know natural good food can taste delicious yep and it doesn't have to be manufactured and it doesn't have to be heavily processed and you don't have to unwrap it and and if you keep to these these ideas and if you are i'm in a place that i can't go to a farmer's market well you know what what can you get right and pick that so yeah you've given everyone a lot of a lot of insight a way to get out there and explore what's really exciting food stuff and even if you are you know, in a place where you you think that you can't go out and eat healthy, you can if you just scratch a, a scratch below the surface a little bit further and do a little bit more digging. And it just sounds like just a little bit extra effort makes you maybe a lot a bit healthier. Absolutely. Yeah. And then um, one last thing is starting in March of next year. Yep. We're going to have our very first cookbook. Well, so, called the Natural Gourmet Institute. How cookbook. about this? Shall we coincide the the release of this with that cookbook? We can. Yeah. Yeah, that could work just Because this is taped in advance, so yeah. uh, let's do it a couple weeks before the cookbook so we right. can hype it up. It's March of next year, then. March of next year. Perfect. We'll do it in like February or something along those lines. Sounds great. Uh, so, Jonathan, tell everyone where they can find this cookbook that is on shelves right now. <laughs> it's actually... Our, uh, you can find our cookbook on Amazon, yep. uh, booksellers, yep. and in a lot of your local bookstores around the country. Yep. Uh, it is published by Clarkson Potter, and we're excited by it. It's a hundred plus what's it called it's called the natural gourmet institute cookbook oh well and it is written with a collection of our chef instructors yep with hundreds of hours and years of experience of of cooking and and we've decided to focus on plant-based specifically in all of our expertise so they're beautiful wonderful recipes of how to make great delicious healthful plant-based meals in your own kitchen with tips and call-out boxes and grocery lists and how to fill your pantry and all those types oh of this is so exciting i look forward to getting it myself because that's super super cool and i look forward to like trying not to order in as much because i've got a really nice grocery store right next to me and i barely go there <laughs> um jonathan sitnarski uh, ceo of ngi natural gourmet institute where can we find you on instagram what's your web address all that kind of twitter tweet good stuff my instagram is john sitnarski yep and Super ngi's simple. ngi's instagram ngi is natural gourmet institute yep and uh twitter is also natural gourmet institute yep and facebook is natural gourmet institute well that's pretty easy and pretty fantastic uh jonathan i know your time was at a premium thank you so much for seeing us this afternoon it's been a great pleasure everyone get out there and try to eat a little bit healthier it might make the world a little bit better thanks so much it was great to speak with you bye bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.